the heart of Shaja. This is Pulse 95. Life Beats Beats. with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. And welcome to Life Beats. We've got another great show for you today with health and relationships in focus. Now, coming up from 11 a.m., we are looking at the impact that screens are having on our eyes, with some experts claiming that staring endlessly at screens, as many of us do, in fact, accelerates blindness. Some doctors a warning that they are now seeing symptoms in patients as young as 10 that would have normally presented in 50 to 60-year-olds. We're going to be joined by Dr. Sumit Suki. He's a specialist ophthalmologist at Medcare Hospital Sharjah. He's going to be giving us an idea of the real impact and sharing with us tips on how to keep our eyes healthy. But first, we're going to be talking relationships with Dr. Sheetal Kini, clinical psychologist at Lighthouse Arabia. Yes, she is back and she's going to be telling us what the four core communication fails in a relationship are and how to fix them. Why do you need to know what they are? Because these are the four behaviors to look out for in any marriage as they predict divorce up to a 94% accuracy. Now, Dr. Sheetal will also be giving us the antidote to these and taking us through the essentials of good communication for a strong relationship. That's all coming up next on Life Beats with me, Sally Musa on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Yes, hello and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. We are talking relationships today. And those four communications fails that, if you do them often enough, can predict divorce with a 94% accuracy. And to tell us more about it, we have with us Dr. Sheetal Kini. She is a clinical psychologist at Lighthouse Arabia. Welcome back to Pulse95. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. We have missed you. Oh, me too, me too. We have missed you. And this is a great topic that uh, you've brought to my attention today. Um, Because I said to you, let's talk about marriage and communication. (laughs) And you said to me, Dr. John Gottman is your man. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've been following his work for, I think, as long as I was probably a teenager and going into grad school thinking, I want to work with whoever has worked with him because he wasn't, you know, uh, teaching anymore. But I had the fortune of even being trained by the Gottman Institute. So, wow. Yeah, so it's it's my honor. Uh, I'm, I'm honored to be able to have that. So. For those who don't know who he is, he's kind of a legend when it comes to uh, relationships and psychology and research. Mm -hmm. Um, He's done decades Mm -hmm. of research, literally, as he says, getting paid to watch couples deteriorate. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He's the funniest man. He's great. Uh, I was listening to this to to prepare for the show. Um, And just, you know, he just spent decades and decades just watching couples, just observing, right. and, and, and with no actual hypothesis in mind, um, but just wanting to see what are the patterns that develop. Exactly, exactly. So when he noticed, you know, what couples do right, 
and what works. He also saw what couples do wrong, and he he classified them as masters and disasters of marriage. I love that. Yeah, I really do. It's so spot on. You know, he was seeing those who lasted, mm-hmm. who stayed happy, and those who, you know, in his words, deteriorated and were absolute disasters and what separated them, um, particularly in terms of communication. Exactly. I think that is the foundation um, of a strong relationship. And um, the great part is that a lot of this was observed. The couples were already doing this. They weren't taught this, that the masters of relationship were naturally doing this. And what that tells me and gives us all hope is that this is not some kind of random theory that may not work. You know, people can do this. We are capable yeah, of we, these behaviors. We are capable. It's predictable. Um, and he's come up with... What did he call them? The four horsemen at the apocalypse. Yes. You you know, like it's very doomsday sounding. But, uh, you know, as he says, this these four different traits of behavior um, can predict divorce up to 94 percent accuracy. He was even saying, I think, um, that within three minutes of hearing a couple communicate and argue, he could tell how the argument was going to end. Right, right, exactly. And these four behaviors, I'm glad you said behaviors and not personality uh, traits because it's not that, you know, this is part of my personality, so I just can't change it. This is really the way in which you choose to interact with each other and communicate with each other that are very amenable to change Mm. um, can really, you know, either predict divorce or can really set you up for a good relationship, a good life. I just, I can't wait to get stuck into these. Uh, Dr. Sheetal, let's go through them. Now, yes. the first one that he talks about is criticism. Mm-hmm. So first of all, you know, there is this myth that there is such a thing as constructive criticism. I would say <laughs> <laughs> that... I love that. It is a myth, people. Let's just get it out of the way right now. Right. Because technically speaking, the fact is when you criticize, you criticize someone. You don't criticize something. And so usually whenever couples tend to criticize each other, it stems from being upset um, with something, you know, that they needed that did not get fulfilled, a hurt that comes up. And what that tells me is that there is a need there that needs to be fulfilled. But instead of actually asking for that need, we criticize and we attack our partner's character. So, you know, for example, if I get home and my husband has left his socks on the floor and I walk in and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so lazy. You know, you never pick up after yourself. Why can't you? They're just socks. Why can't you just put them straight into the laundry basket? Exactly. But I may not even do that. I may even just kind of say this is who he is. You know, you always do this and I always pick up. Now, if you really dismantle this, right? What was really going on for me? Depending on my my context with my partner, I could be, you know, experiencing a sense of taken for granted or, you know, that I'm not uh, important enough. Or, I mean, I could be thinking so many things, but I'm not going to say that. I'm also not going to tell him how to make it up to me. I'm just going to criticize his character and then There's walk away. There's something a lot deeper to it than that. Exactly. It's exactly. not about the socks. It's not about the socks. It's never about the socks. Yeah. And so usually when we kind of put away these feelings for a long period of time, what comes out is just, you know, all the the mean things that we can say about a partner. And so when you think about criticism, the big no no's are you don't want to do any, you know, um, character shaming. So no adjectives. You know, you are lazy. You are incapable. You are whatever, you know, sort of um, putting a label on the person. You don't want to do that. 
you also don't want to do you always and you never because essentially then that's the same thing you know if you're saying you're always going to leave stuff around for me i'm not even giving you the chance to change your behavior because i'm saying that's how you are it's just yeah yeah i've already labeled you and then what's going to happen is that person's going to say okay fine that's that's how how i am (laughs) that's it i can't change it um, and and you, you're not getting to the to the issues that are underneath as well. Exactly. So how do you do it? How do you? Well, I mean, the the idea is pretty much not to criticize, isn't it? Exactly. But what it is is to make a complaint. Complaints are okay. Criticisms are not okay. So when you make a complaint, right? And, and what you're doing is really you're asking for a particular need to be met. That is important. But you also need to share. What feelings have triggered that need? So where are you coming from? So depending on my interaction and my context with my husband, maybe I've been feeling taken for granted for a long time now. And I can say to him, listen, you know what? This is not really about the socks, but just I've been feeling like, you know, maybe I'm, I'm taken for granted or my work is unappreciated you know what i contribute doesn't matter and i don't know maybe that's not how you feel but this is how i've been feeling and right now what i need is a for you to understand how i feel that's a need in itself b i want you to take care of it right now and c maybe for us to talk about this you know later on and 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 sort this out and and see you know how you've been feeling about it I like it. Turn it right around and talk about what is really going on. Uh, we've got Dr. Sheetal Kini here in the studio with us. We are going through those four uh, behaviors that uh, can predict the downfall of a relationship if they're done uh, often enough and consistently enough. We're trying to get away from them. We're trying to see what the antidotes are. And coming up next, we're going to be talking about defensiveness. And people can get defensive in ways that you didn't think it was quite defensiveness, but it is. This is so interesting. It's Life Beats with me, Sally Musa, on Pulse 95. Heart of Shadow. This is Pulse 95. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. 95. It is Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Dr. Sheetal Kini is here. She is a psychologist at Lighthouse Arabia, taking us through uh, Dr. John Gottman's The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And if it sounds disastrous, <laughs> it absolutely is. Um, and these are the four uh, behaviors uh, that couples can display um, if they're heading the wrong way. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. It could end in divorce. Mm-hmm. It's more likely than not to. Um, and so the first trait that we were talking about is uh, criticism right. and how damaging that can be. That is one we're going to come back to because, you know, that that happens so much. Um, and it, it's done in ways that, you know, people can be passive aggressive about it as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. To the point where, you know, you're kind of like... Um, is she criticizing me or like what well, like yeah. yeah so we'll come back to that um and to talk about the gentle startup um which is something that dr Gob- gottman talks about as well defensiveness yes so defensiveness is the second uh of the four horsemen and uh, criticism and defensiveness are sort of best friends right so if i am going to say something to you as you are so lazy and you are so that and you don't do this the immediate response is to defend oneself because you're feeling attacked of course um and the thing is that defensiveness can come about in three different ways you know you have your classic defensiveness so 
hey, why didn't you do the dishes? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't do the dishes, but you know, I was really tired and no, no, no. So you're explaining yourself. And as soon as you apologize and then say, but basically, you know, you can just say there's no point of the apology because you're really just justifying your action. Mm. That's one. The second one is counterattack. You didn't do the dishes. Well, you didn't take out the dry, you know, you didn't take out the um, trash the other day. Well, you're just blaming each other. And that it's never such ends. such a, like, I'm just seeing my daughters in this. <laughs> you know, it's like that childish thing of, you know, tit for tat. Uh, and it never ends. Absolutely. And it can happen between adults in a relationship too. I mean, I've seen it happen with with a, you know adults more than sometimes with kids because. Do they do it in your sessions as well? Yes, yes. And you know, <laughs> you have one person saying, "Well, you know, that really hurt my feelings." You know, you did blah blah blah, and the person's like, "Well, you hurt my feelings on that occasion. How about that? You know, do you know how it feels now?" And you think that you're trying to make a point. But you're really not. It just never ends, really. No, it really doesn't end. The third kind of defensiveness is something that people think they're not being defensive, but really it's a defensive maneuver. So if I, you know, if I was blamed for not doing the dishes or throwing the socks around or forgetting someone's birthday or whatever, and I said, oh, oh my God, you know what? You're right. I am so awful. I'm the worst friend ever. <laughs> I'm the worst wife. I'm just, I just hate myself. And then... You know, I'm throwing a pity party, essentially. And what's going on here is technically it looks like I am taking accountability. But you're not. But I'm not. And I'm forcing the other person to feel sorry for me. And actually, they're the ones who are taking care of me instead of, you know, Suddenly my making it up to, to them. comfort you because of your shortcomings. Exactly. Exactly. So what should we do then? What's the antidote to this one? So the this one is actually very simple. You know, it, it sounds simple, maybe, um, is that if you can take accountability for even a single part of whatever has been said about you, okay, maybe not the whole thing, but even as a baby step, can you take some accountability for what is being said and start there? Now, the issue is that usually um, when a when a need is being projected on the other person or criticism or whatever it is, um, it feels like, you know, there's this big ball of blame and if i if i say yes then it's all my fault you know and i talk about it as you know in relationships you can keep going backwards like okay where did the blame start you know you did this to me then you did this to me and so on and so forth yeah but i talk about it in terms of contribution okay so to any fight okay you're gonna have some contribution and the other person's gonna have some contribution to any fight to anything exactly so if even you can own up to whatever you think is your contribution it immediately loosens or like, you know, uh, de-escalates the, the, the heightened arousal in, in the fight. You know, like the second you say, you know what, you're right. I did blah, 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 whatever it is. And then immediately the person's like, oh, OK, you're actually taking accountability. All right, then. And once you're calmer, you may see, OK, you know what? I also messed up in X, Y, or Z way. And then you can take things forward because... I think a lot of us forget what the actual point of an argument is. Exactly. The point of an argument should be to um, to progress your relationship, to yes. be heard, yes. um, and to hear the other side and to understand what's going on. Right. But a lot of us just want to be right. Yes. A lot of us just want to be right and scoring points, you know, against our partner, and it just becomes this thing of, all right, I'm going to have it out with you, and that's it, and, you know, I've had enough. And, and, you know, sometimes you might be bottling it up 
you know, over a period of time. And then it's just like, you know, you're this and you're that and, and criticizing and doing. And right. so it's, it's kind of like reframing how we come into the argument in the first place. What are you trying to achieve out of it? Exactly. And you know what? You may have your reasons for whatever you did. We always do. Everybody we don't does. intentionally ever hurt the other person. But the fact of the matter is that this person is hurting. They're in front of us and they're telling us how they're hurting. We don't apologize for what we do. We apologize for hurt feelings. Mm. That is the number one thing here. When you're taking accountability, half the time we may say, I'm not apologizing if I don't make a mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeah. That's not taking accountability. It's saying, you know what? I'm sorry that my actions actually had that impact on you. I had no idea. Yeah. And or wow. how, how can we change this? Right. And, and before I, I even explain myself, I just want you to know how much I hurt that you hurt. That's it. That's a big deal. It is. And it's that so takes, hard. That's really hard because it takes a lot of that, that ego. You have to shut it out. Yes. You know, get rid of the ego and kind of go, well, wait, I didn't do anything wrong here. You know, I'm right and, and whatever. That's what's going on in your head. And, right. Um, and, and all of the other issues that may be coming up that maybe they did to you. Yeah. Wow. But it has to be two ways, yeah? So if one person is doing that, they need to know that if I'm going to play nice, <laughs> the other person is also going to reciprocate this. The next one that we're going to cover uh, with Dr. Shitalkini is uh, contempt. Uh, contempt is a really big one uh, in a relationship. Very, very destructive. Uh, we're going to talk about what that is as well as stonewalling that's coming up as well, which you say is one of the biggest ones too. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Sheetal Kini, she is clinical psychologist at the Lighthouse Arabia. She is here and she can answer any of your questions. If you've got questions, comments for her, uh, you can send those through. We are on Instagram Live. Uh, you can text us as well, 4215 on Itasada, 2022 on Do. You can give us a call live in studio as well, 600-551-449. It is Life Beats with me, Sally Musa on Pulse95. This is Pulse 95. 95. Keeping it local. Keeping it local. All day, every day. Pulse 95. Heart of Shasha. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. 95. We're talking those four behaviors on Life Beats today that can determine the success or the failure of your relationship. And these are uh, communication fails, criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling. And these are the four behaviors that were outlined by Dr. John Gottman. He calls them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So, you know, if you didn't think it was bad, that title should say it all for you. Dr. <laughs> Sheetal Kenny is here in the studio with me. Uh, and we're just going through these. We've already talked about criticism, mm -hmm. defensiveness, mm -hmm. uh, and it is time for contempt. Mm -hmm. So actually, according to John Gottman, Dr. John Gottman, he believes that contempt is the worst of them all. Yep. And what contempt really means is, you know, when you make your partner feel like they are less than you, um, when you are repulsed by them, when you're disgusted by them, or, you know, maybe that's the extreme form of it. But when you make them feel like they don't deserve you, so they're like, beneath you. It's like taking criticism to, to the ultimate, ultimate stage. Exactly. Where, you know, they are just, you know, your partner's just beneath you. They are, it, it's like, you know, communicating that superiority of, oh, you're just, you know, so 
lazy or you're just so uncaring. You are just so whatever. Yeah, you're just a disappointment. Yes. And you know, people can actually see this, that over a period of time, if there is such constant criticism, it just feels like contempt. Mm. It really feels like, you hate me, why are you married to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen couples say that to each other. You know, if you hate me so much, let's just get divorced. And this is really how painful it is. I don't think that there can be anything more painful in a marriage than thinking that, you know, you don't deserve your partner. Why do people do it? Well, you know, it is usually a form of a counterattack. You feel so hurt. You feel so rejected. You feel so not taken care of or taken for granted or whatever it is that you attack back and you sort of reject the other person before you continue feeling rejected yourself. Mm. And it's not really done um, on purpose a lot of times. It's just, you know, it's reactive. It's impulsive. And um, there, you know, I think that um, the presenter before this was asking, you know, how did Dr. John Gottman, how did he find out what behaviors were what? And, you know, how does he code them? Or, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sharif was asking yeah, that Sharif question. Yeah, Sharif was asking, yeah. yes. And so um, basically they looked at interactions that, and you know, the couples that were in the lab they were hooked up to physio and they were looking at how their heart rate goes and how, their phys- how they physically respond. And um, there are some actions that are all creating the same kind of response within a person. So even sarcasm can create the same response. So sarcasm is a form of contempt. So we think, you know, yeah. Sarcasm is a form of contempt. Yes. Yes. Let that sink in for just a moment. It's like, you know, it is that kind of passive aggressive thing where you're like, you're just so like, I just can't even, you know, yeah. and, and having that. What, what was interesting um, from listening to uh, Dr. John Gottman talk about this one in particular in his research, mm-hmm. he actually said that, you know, people who are on the receiving end of contempt yes. are more likely to get infectious diseases yes, because... It affects your immune system. It does. It creates a visceral body reaction. It, it, this, this is like, this is serious. You know, people don't take this seriously enough. And I get it. Some people have a sarcastic sense of humor. And, you know, that's all right. As long as you can both recognize it as humor. But, and you can both give and take. Exactly. And, you know, you really know when something is a joke and when something is a little too far below the belt. So you know when, you know, someone says something like, wow, I mean, you know, even a doorknob would know the answer to that. Ouch. It's like you're basically saying that, you know, you're, you're dumber than... You are so stupid. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah. You can't, you don't answer a question straight up. You have a sarcastic response mm, 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 and sometimes mm. people get so used to it they don't pick up on it themselves they they don't realize yeah. what is being said yeah because it just becomes so normal it just becomes so normal and any kind of name calling by the way you know even calling someone stupid or whatever that also falls in the category of contempt so contempt carries a lot of these behaviors even eye rolling by the way <laughs> is a form of contempt eye rolling do you know um i know we're talking about relationships in in terms of marriages but i feel like this can apply to so many other relationships like with your kids Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. you know across the board whoever it is with your friends you couldn't be more right and actually when i talk about this um in any kind of counseling that i do this applies to kids as well or friendships i mean particularly any child that feels not good enough for their parent 
that child is going to have long-term consequences in their own life and their personality. So that is very dangerous. If your husband or your wife or whoever it is that you're in a relationship with is doing something wrong, do not go down this path. There's got to be, um, you've got to do the opposite where you're appreciating each other, aren't you? Exactly. So there is a ratio of positive to negative feedback that you can give each other, a healthy ratio. And, um, you know, the ratio is five to one. So for every negative feedback that you give your partner in healthy relationships, the masters of relationships would on average be complimenting and admiring and sharing fondness five times more. Yeah, I'm just writing this down. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And this the thing is so important. This is so important because what happens is that we do a lot of this in the beginning of relationship. Yeah. But then as time goes by, it is more important for me to tell you how you messed up and how you upset me and how you didn't do X, Y or Z. And less important for me to tell you, you know, you know, that was really nice uh, when you cooked dinner for me. And that was really nice when you surprised me with a gift. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's nice. But, you know, let's come back to what you didn't do. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's more important. That's more right important. Now. Um, yes. But it, do you know, it's interesting because people think, oh, well, she already knows how much I appreciate oh, her. Oh, my goodness. This is the biggest frustration I have. You don't have to say that you love someone. They should know it. You know? I married you. Yeah. Uh, is, it is it not proof enough that I, I'm in this marriage that should tell you that I, I love you, I'm here. committed, and no, 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 you know? So the antidote to contempt is literally doing the opposite, which is, to build a culture of appreciation. So it's not just, right, I'll throw you a compliment here and there. It's to really make it part and parcel of changing your lens. You know, if you're wearing those critical lens and you're constantly looking for what's messed up, acknowledge that you're doing that and actually try to focus and notice what is going right. Don't give fake compliments, but notice that something your partner is doing is actually doing for your, for your benefit and that they're here for you. And then call that out and appreciate. Do you know, it, it is a, um, it can be a really small thing. But, you know, even when I cook dinner or whatever, um, and my husband said to, says to me, you know, which means, you know, may God save your hands because he Aww. appreciates the food. It's it's an Arab saying that you, right. you say to the person who, who serves you food, who cooks food for you, which is beautiful. Yeah. Um, but even when he says that and he looks at me and he smiles like he really means it, that means yes. a lot to me. At the end of a day when I have just been at work for long hours and I've come home and the girls are fighting or whatever it is, and he says that, it, it makes a huge difference. Oh, my goodness, yes. And mm -hmm. I love the, the fact that you said, you know, he looks at you. He's making eye contact and he's telling you i notice you i i see what you're doing for me and i'm so grateful you know it like it doesn't have to be we don't we're not one of those couples who buy stuff for each other and whatever right. but it's just literally like those moments of connection yes where you know you make sure you give that person a call when they're at work and just go how are you going yeah how are you doing right how's your day going how was that meeting you know whatever it is absolutely it's just it means a, it means the world it really does. And it, yeah. if I could prescribe something, I would prescribe eye contact for couples. Jeez, I mean, think about the last time you actually held each other's gaze. Completely. Even when they're saying thank you to one another or noticing something, it's while you're doing something else. And they're like, yeah, of course, I said thank you. I say thank you every day. You know, I said, yeah, I get that. But you, your, your, your thank yous can be a little bit more elaborate. <laughs> and they can have an element of how it made you feel. Yes, yes.
Yes. So much yes to this conversation <laughs> with Dr. Sheetal Kini. We're going to come uh, to stonewalling in just a moment. Most, most men are guilty of this one. Um, but I love the internal dialogue that happens with, with this. We're going to be talking about that next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Life Beats Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Just a great conversation with Dr. Sheetal uh, and talking about the fact that it just really comes down to not taking each other for granted, right? Absolutely. Recognizing what you have in front of you. You were telling me there's um, a, a really interesting uh, phrase in Urdu. Just explain this to me. Yes, so it goes as... Uh, which means, you know, the smart person can just take a hint and, and, and get it. You know, I don't need to verbalize. I don't need to explain what I'm saying. And this kind of goes back to this idea and relationships that, you know, if you're smart enough or if you love me enough, that you will just know what I need, how I feel, when I'm hurt. You know, I shouldn't have to tell you. But actually, we need, we all need to know. We, we all need that connection. Absolutely. And we, we all need, actually, we need to recognize that even in the same situation, we may need different things in different scenarios. So we can't even predict what we might need. You know, when you're having a tough day, maybe you want to talk to your partner. Maybe you just want to be left alone. Maybe you want a bubble bath. I don't know. You may not need the same thing every time. So how can you predict or how can you have your husband predict what you need? That's right. Exactly. Absolutely. But, it, you know, what's interesting as well is if we observe each other enough, mm-hmm. then we will get an idea. We will know what they need in certain situations. Maybe. But even then, I would say that, you know, you have a 100% success rate of asking and then receiving. Tell but you know, what you want. <laughs> the problem is, though, the reason why we hide behind that phrase and we don't tell is because who wants to really put themselves out there yeah and then get get rejected exactly the fear of rejection stops us but do yeah but do say what you need yes um absolutely the the fourth one uh as we've been going through all of these the four behaviors Mm -hmm. um that are sure uh signs of a downfall of a relationship yes is stonewalling yes so to explain stonewalling i need to explain a common phenomenon that happens to all us human beings when we are in a fight. Okay. So normal conversation and our, our bodies are doing normal heartbeat, normal, you know, breath rate, everything is our, our vitals are okay. The second that something triggers us and, you know, you start to see red, you know that huh, this conversation is just not going to go pretty. We're going to end up in a fight. We all have at some point felt that feeling. Yep. You felt that feeling, no, Sally? Yep. Okay, I felt it too, all right? (laughs) We're human, we will feel it. What's happening at that point is somewhere in our brain, um, it's signaling threat. And it's saying, you know what? You need to go into fight mode or flight mode. So for the listeners out there, I hope it makes sense when I say fight or flight. It's basically our stress mechanism to take care of anything that threatens us. And at that point in time, it feels to our brain that our partner is threatening us. 
And so we either have the um, immediate response of fighting, which is, you know, you keep kind of yelling and screaming and arguing whatnot. back, arguing back. Exactly. Um, and really, you know what? At this point, your um, was really important to mention this. The frontal, um, the prefrontal cortex of your brain, which is the part of the brain that does all the thinking and logical understanding and consequences and whatnot that shuts down because we go into survival mode. And when we're in survival mode, we need to make instant decisions. Do we fight or do we flight? That's and it. They're not necessarily the best ones right now. No, no, no. In, they're in not at moment. all. Yeah. So you will see people take the best material from the reserves of their brain. Yeah. That they can use against the other person's ammunition. And that will come out. The, the stuff that they've been keeping score with. Exactly. Or maybe that, you know, they didn't really care about. But at that moment, your, you know, your, your brain is saying to you, your evolutionary brain is saying, you need to fight this person and get the best stuff, out, best stuff out there. So even though you may regret it much later when your thinking brain kicks in, you've already done the damage. Okay. And the flight mode looks like I'm just going to you know, go out of this conversation. I can't deal with it anymore. So either if you're on the phone, you hang up. If you're in the same room, you leave, you walk out. Or in the worst case scenario, which brings us to stonewalling, you're there, but you're not there. So you don't look at them. Yeah. You don't respond. No. You're a wall. You're literally a wall. And you think, unfortunately, people think that they're doing the other person a favor because it's like, you know what? Don't make me talk. I'm just going to shut down. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to deal with this. And you know what? Maybe it's better if I just keep quiet. Now, there's a gender difference between men and women. And I think you were talking about yeah. this too. I mean, again, not to say that Every couple would be this way, but a lot of times um, what happens is that because men are, are higher in testosterone and because women have oxytocin, which is a calming um, hormone, what happens is that women can keep going for longer in fight mode because their <laughs> oxytocin naturally calms them down and regulates There's a enough. scientific reason for there it. There is, there is, oh yes. Oh my gosh. So, however, I don't know if you know the, the link between testosterone and, and cardiovascular disease. I mean, it it really actually um, increases heart rate even more and, wow. and men can deal. They just can't deal. They so can't. They shut down. Okay. So, men go into stonewalling mode and women go into fight, fight, fight. So, what's going on in this dynamic is as the woman starts to scream, the guy gets, you know, quiet and just shut down and then he thinks oh my god why is she doing this to me let her just get it out of the system and whatnot and she's thinking oh my god how can he just have no Ignore reaction me. he just doesn't care she thinks she's being ignored yeah and he thinks he's trying to diffuse the situation exactly just by not responding exactly but actually he's making it worse he's making it worse she's making it worse and they both walk away feeling horrible and i think that the scars that come out of these kind of fights they are hard to heal from. Wow. So you so say, what do, you what do, do? we do? Yes. <laughs> exactly. So the thing is, and um, in the States, when I used to work, we used to have these things called pulse oximeters. And you put them on <laughs> pulse oximeters. They basically, um, they go off and they go beep, beep, beep. The second your heart rate goes above 100 beats per minute. Okay. That is your body telling you that you are in fight or flight mode. Your thinking brain has switched off and nothing good can come out of this conversation. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So a lot of beeping going on in your sessions, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so obviously you can be walking around with these all your life, <laughs> but you get a sense of when something has happened and now you're in flight or fight mode. So, you know, I don't think every conversation starts this way, mm -hmm. but something gets said or misunderstood and now 
you know, your tone changes. And so either you as the person who is being and the terminology we use is being flooded. Okay. So overwhelmed. E- yes. And like that's the, the Gottman um, terminology is to be flooded because I think you're just so flooded with your anger um, is either you recognize it or if your partner recognizes that you are, you know, going into that fight or flight mode. You basically decide beforehand that when either one of us does this, we're going to call a pause. So you actually need to walk away from each other and separate out for 30, 45 minutes, an hour, however long it takes for you to calm down. So your your brain basically needs to think that the threat is over. Mm-hmm. You need to trick your body into bringing your vitals back to normal. And then you can re-engage because what's happened is the main thing you need to engage, which is your thinking brain, your logical brain has turned off. Yeah. So let's just say that, you know, in our conversation um, beforehand, we say, okay, you know what? Whenever I get triggered, I need about 30 minutes. And the other person says, oh, I need 45. So let's go with 45. Fine. And whenever someone calls pause, it needs to be honored. It needs to be, you know, you need to let the other person walk away. So hang on. So pausing and walking away is very different to stonewalling. It's the antidote. Right. Okay. Yes. Because it, it, it looks similar. Oh, you know, you brought a fantastic point. So people think that, you know, I'll just walk away and because I'm just too flooded right now, I can't deal. Exactly. Um, but that is not the same thing as what I'm saying. This is where the two parties have already kind of, you know, we've spoken to each other about this. We know this happens and mm-hmm. this is sort of a preventative step. To, to not go, in, go down that you road. Have, you've agreed to it beforehand. Exactly. Okay. You've agreed to it beforehand and you know a signal. So And people can choose a word. Some people say timeout. I feel like that's a little punitive. Um, I like the word pause because it's very neutral. And just as important as it is to walk away, it is just as important, if not, if not more, to come back. So the partner who typically goes on and on and on in the fight hates the idea that they're going to have to pause. They're like, no, but I just have all of this stuff yeah, I need to yeah, get yeah, out. Yeah. Um, and the person who is like walk, wants to walk away is really happy when I tell them this, you know, that you get to walk away. <laughs> but then I say, look, it's very important that you come back to each other, too. So when you do come back to each other and you're calmer, you're able to then re-engage. But you re-engage using the gentle startup, which is you start by explaining how you are really feeling, mm-hmm. what triggered you. And then you go into, you know, either hearing out where you may have hurt the other person and getting that out of the way and then really openly and honestly expressing your need because some need got you know violated or or, or hurt in that process this is an amazing discussion i've just learned so much today (laughs) we've actually run out of time oh (laughs) Um, but we have to continue this will you come back Dr. absolutely absolutely there's so much to talk about here and uh, you know making sure that we appreciate each other we find ways of connecting Yes. So that we don't wait for the argument to bring up all the issues. Um, but yeah, thank you, Dr. Sheetal Alkini uh, of Lighthouse Arabia. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And I will come <laughs> back whenever you need to. Brilliant. Amazing. The discussion continues on Life Beats on Pulse95. Next, we are going to be talking screens and eye health. That is all coming up with me, Sally Musa, on Life Beats on Pulse95. The heart of Shaja. This is Pulse95. Yeah, yeah.